Russia backs out of the nuclear proliferation treaty. China joins up with them. And Joe Biden shows once again why he's the most incompetent president since William Henry Harrison. And that man died 31 days into office. That much, much more on the Politically Tarrant. My name is Zachary Groper. I'm Cooper Brown. Dude, a lot of stuff has taken place in the news. A lot with our great president, Joe Biden. I think we should, you know, talk a little bit more about what's going on in Russia and China right now a little first. But so, like, take it away, Cooper. What's going on over there? Yeah, so for those that aren't aware, um, Russia recently announced that it will no longer be, no longer wants to abide by um, a nuclear treaty that um, it held with uh, the United States of America. Um, you'll you'll have to let me know your opinion on this. I don't see this as a as a as a escalation per se. I mean, I don't know how much more we can how much escalation can already occur, uh, but it feels more like uh, Vladimir Putin's kind of he's doing whatever he can to make it the impression that he will use nuclear arms. Um, possibly against um, Ukraine, but he doesn't want to use nuclear weapons because I think he's aware of the consequences that will follow if he does, um, but he's trying to ride that line just as much as possible um, in order to in, in order to make that, that strong presence. Um, and then that, along with the same time, there's lots of talks with China possibly getting involved with funding Russia, which that is a seer, that's such an escalation of this kind of proxy war that's happened, then I think that is probably a bigger um, likely outcome to occur. You know, it sounds crazy for me to talk about this, but it might be a little bit of a blessing. And I'll tell you why. I just want to bring it over to uh, this journalist, Seymour Hirsch, who uh, wrote a story, a very controversial story. Not uh, most of the uh, mainstream outlets didn't uh, accept it, and he went to Substack. But this man's a famous uh, journalist, and he won a Pulitzer Prize, and he documented on uh, important uh, news stories like the Miley massacre and uh, and Ugrabe, what happened in Iraq, you know, discovering the faults of American military in those places. But what he pretty much said in the story was that I think during a there was a disaster in 2020, 2021, no, 2020 uh, last year, it was October last year, with Nord Stream, with the opening of the Nord Stream 2, that America intentionally exploded uh, the the gasoline pipe mm-hmm. and with, in Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2. And why this is important is the fact that both the Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2 actually gave oil to pretty much all of Western Europe and now a lot of it to America since America depended on it after Biden's policies, environmental policies, by not allowing oil yeah. fracking inside our own country. So let us become dependent on Russia and Russia kind of took that as advantage for their part. And they were like, well, and after the invasion of uh, Ukraine to not have the West keep supporting uh, the Ukrainians, they were like, well, why don't we just hold that over them? You know, they want this cheap oil, right? They want this cheap gas. So if you keep giving it to them, they won't support that. So in my impression and Simon Hirsch's impression in a situation, you, uh, Joe Biden and a lot of members of Congress saw it as a threat. So what they did was that them and the Norwegian Navy and some other uh, entities, oh, actually, I think the CIA actually, went into, uh, I forgot what region was it. It was inside the waters, I think near the shores of Denmark or something, and they destroyed the pipeline. 
So yeah, I mean that is you'll never you'll never ever see the Biden administration admit to something doing like that because that will be one of the biggest scandals of you know of any presidency ever. If if um, but there is that idea that it's a pretty strong, compelling idea that the United States did have um, some effect in, in destroying the Nord Stream pipeline. I mean, even just the effects that that has on Russia is pretty massive too. But again, all of Europe being dependent on that kind of oil supply. And then could you imagine right now if when Trump was in office, the United States was exporting more oil than it was importing, right? It was a net export of oil. Could you imagine how all these European countries would be doing if they weren't relying on Russian oil and they could instead buy oil from the United States? Like there would be so much less of like European um, kind of like this inflationary uh, and just like this hyper uh, gas inflation that's incurring with them if they were just able to able to purchase the oil from the United States. But instead, Biden puts us in this situation where he thinks that 10 years is long enough for us to to build, you know, drill wells and stuff like that. It's it's, it's just ironic. It's like, you know, I mean, you see Europe really pushing this climate change agenda and maybe Mm -hmm. we'll talk a little bit more about there. But even though they still are dependent, especially Germany, dependent on Russian oil for their business, you know, to keep their economy booming. So it's it's very ironic that they're like still pushing it. But I think that has another uh, cause and effect. We'll talk about a little later. But something Mm -hmm. I, I forgot to mention a little bit earlier uh, was that why maybe in my impression why Russia backed out of the nuclear proliferation treaty since mm-hmm. right since uh, the explosion of the gas line Biden I mean not Biden Putin didn't really have anything to go off of so maybe backing out like you were talking about earlier backing out of uh, the nuclear proliferation treaty gave him an incentive to be like well we have the mass nuclear bomb weapons of mass destruction. And we could use it on you anytime. And the solution of power is kind of maybe diffusing the whole situation. That's why I said it's kind of a blessing in a, in a sense, right? That doing that. I mean, there is more fear of nuclear conflict now than there has been. I mean, clearly since ever I've been alive. Um, hard to say what it was like during the Cuban Missile Crisis, but um, when nuclear weapons were like right on the doorstep, but. Um, I don't I can't I can't possibly imagine seeing Vladimir Putin performing a nuclear strike even on Ukraine because I'm pretty sure he's aware of the consequences that will follow because of that, where NATO will immediately take in Ukraine and will just blow Putin out of the sky. I mean, we're measure- we're watching him 24 hours a day. We know where his coordinates are um, throughout the day and night. And he he won't last an hour if if he decided to use a tactical nuclear strike in um and Western countries will are not going to abide by that just through the optics alone, and he's he's a, he's aware of of what will happen, but he wants to ride that line as close as possible because he knows he's playing the the North Korea game really where it's just like I'm gonna like because you're so afraid of them going to use to you're so afraid of them using nukes that you'll kowtow to their demands and stuff like that. But neither he nor Zelensky and Biden, who who recently traveled to Ukraine and gave speeches there and gave speeches to uh, in uh, Poland, he's made it very clear that he's basically has no answer to ending this conflict at all. Like he's pretty much promoting an ever an everlasting war, um, giving no off ramp for 
uh, Poon or Zelensky, because neither of them are going to stop, because why would they? I mean, they don't, is, they're both, they both can't lose, so they're both going to try to win, and then it has to be Joe Biden or whoever's the president of the United States has to come in and be the bad guy to play mediator, but Biden is so weak foreign policy-wise that I, either he doesn't recognize that that's, that's going to be his role in this situation, or he just doesn't want like the negative publicity of doing that. Or it's gonna be the money. That's true. <laughs> I would talk about it a little bit, but like just the closing statements on uh, Russia. In my, this is my interpretation. Obviously, we have a different one, and I completely agree with what you're talking about with like Putin playing this card, the nuclear bomb card, like that. Any minute he can actually destroy uh, United States. Even that he won't, he won't, won't have the possibility. But even that possibility, this idea of mutually assured destruction. Mm-hmm. Kind of brought people, uh, the country's level-headed in Cold War and to stop actually someone's from doing something really stupid like having a Cuban Missile Crisis. There's kind right. of some instances what actually can help. But like what we're talking about uh, now since with, with this aspect, mm-hmm. but you know what happened recently with uh, Joe Biden obviously going to Ukraine and Poland instead of going to Ohio and dealing with that <laughs> issue. I mean, that's obviously not very presidently of you. And I kind of will talk about, well, there's maybe a certain incentive for him to go to Ukraine. Now, oh, what yeah. I think, yeah, right? There's a huge incentive, right? But I think there's two possibilities in my mm-hmm. opinion. One is the idea of the military industrial complex, right? This idea mm-hmm. that, you know, with JP Morgan, with BlackRock, they can benefit uh, from, you know, monetary exchanges between uh, the government and business corporations and entranced in wars like what happened in Iraq. But, you know, that's why we keep getting, like, uh, stuff like tanks and expanding the NATO, in a sense. But, you know, in terms of why we gave Ukraine $75 million in places like in Afghanistan, Ethiopia, uh, Syria, places that also have civil wars, why we're not giving them any money. Because, you know, you're not going to get any money from those places, but you can get money from Ukraine because Zelensky is very cooperative with the Western powers in the situation. Right. So I could see that as... Uh, a reason why Biden's very interested in that. And, you know, also this idea of his own corruption with Hunter Biden in the laptop, this idea that he gave approximately, a, he got, Hunter Biden got approximately $11 million himself from a Ukrainian firm and he was ties with the government. So that's mm-hmm. not being talked about at all. So, I mean, what's your impressions on that, Cooper? I mean, I, I can't, Obviously, there's there's ties, I think, particularly with Hunter Biden, that puts him directly involved in Ukraine. I think the United States has a little bit more of a vested interest in the outcome of Ukraine versus Russia rather than those other countries that, that you mentioned. Um, because it is true with it's like seventy one billion dollars we've spent now total over over Ukraine. Um, we have with that money, we have basically completely crippled the russian military like they should not be conceived as a, a threat anymore um in terms of their military armaments i believe those have all been cut in half basically they have had they've lost hundreds of thousands of people um and it's we've done it with a fraction of what the the downsides we would get if we were in a direct conflict with Russia, right? Like there has been no loss of American life, you could say. Um, that doesn't mean that we should be funding this endless war. We've basically accomplished any possible goal that we can have at this point. 
And it should be up to President Biden to now start mediating closed, like a closing deal here for Riot. Um, but he's not doing that because again, I think you might have, you might be on the, onto something there with some monetary gains, um, with Ukraine. Um, even, even op- several years ago, openly bragging about the quid pro quo he had, um, with an individual of Ukraine, uh, like there, so there's clearly there's clearly buried history with Biden's um, relationship with Ukraine, and he doesn't want to. I don't think he wants to set them off even the slightest bit because they'll just dump even more documents on his doorstep and uh, and fry him. I mean, absolutely, I agree with you. Like, do you think this? I mean, which I hope it does impact Joe Biden's reelection campaign because he's still going <laughs> to do it, even though he's about a thousand years old. But you think that's going to, I mean, kind of impact it. He didn't go to Ohio with his own citizens, you know, suffering. He went to Ukraine and talked with people, right? I mean, it's him. I think he's playing, he's trying to play like foreign policy catch up because he just looks so bad, you know, the last several weeks with the the Chinese spy balloon and stuff like that. He's just trying to do anything to make him seem powerful and seem strong. But he's just such an adult, weak man. Like yeah. again, he he just he fell up a flight of stairs again, climbing into Air Force One, and it's just it's so sad to watch. Yeah, it just there's no strength in his presence at all. But he's trying to convey that with his like aviator sunglasses, his navy jacket, and stuff like that. And he's walking around. He's walking with them, Zelensky, and they're playing like the bomb sirens, and they're just like, oh man, Joe Biden is so cool, and like he's so tough. But it's just like you're watching sad grandpa like waddle around and then like he slips and falls and it's just like <laughs> i can't watch this guy anymore this is elderly abuse <laughs> what does he think he is tom cruise and top gun oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> totally. he yeah. shot he he shot down those those chinese spy balloons himself oh yeah totally yeah, yeah. <laughs> f-44 yeah uh airplane uh, totally but i mean what do you think i mean i i heard this is funny it was just so ridiculous i think cnn reported on this and he was like Biden talk about a war cry that Ukraine will never go back to Russia. He said that in Ukraine. Mm. Think about that. What ridiculous war cry. Yeah. I think I think this is a this is a good opportunity to segue into one of I think Biden's most outrageous blunders, I guess you could say right now. Well, I don't know if it's a blunder because this is something he's intentionally doing, but this is something that I've heard heard very little people talk about. But just before this long weekend that we had. Um, Joe Biden decided to issue an executive order to enshrine equity policy throughout every fabric of the federal government. And that term equity in and of itself is just one of the most probably evil terms that has ever come to exist, you know, in our modern world. It's just, but, but Biden is signing an executive order that, that enshrines that in in all the levels of government and bureaucracy. And then the the implications of that are just huge ramifications, like allocating resources, um, even like really funny, ridiculous stuff saying that like any artificial intelligence and, and art, um, some uh, like autonomous programs that, you know, using the federal government, they also have to push and advocate for equity. So I don't, I don't know if you've messed around with chat GBT, but it's, a liberal woke nutcase. And I don't know if it can get any more liberal than it already is, but apparently they all, all that um, 
technology and systems government have to uh, push that equity agenda. It's very interesting what you're talking about. It seems like it's a bigger, deeper issue that it seems like they use equity as an attempt to kind of control. Well, I mean, obviously they, they want us to submit to this uh, ideologue, right? Like you we were talking mm-hmm. about equity ideologue that we, uh, that the government has to incorporate these means of distributing equally amongst the population. Right. But also leads me to believe why are they doing this? I mean, this is, I mean, is it really the benefit the people or they really control the way they think about things and the way they act do things though and also you're talking about robot bots it sounds like some sci-fi movie right <laughs> where you have like we must be equitable <laughs> you know like we must be transgenderism it, it kind of sounds like that it's this horrific sci-fi movie stuff like 1984 and all these things kind of wanted us you know warn us against this kind of state like we were talking about this a little earlier right the state brought state bureaucracy where uh everyone is talking about you know, policies that are administered by the state, like equity, like this attempt to have critical race theory in governments as well, right, in the military. Mm-hmm. It's this idea is that we have to think all alike for this common goal of equity, this common goal of defeating systemic racism. Even though the people who are, in fact, trying to get rid of systemic racism are the, the system itself. So it's kind mm-hmm. of this weird illusion, right? Like, what do you think about that, Cooper? Yeah, I mean, it's it's... It's one of the most like evil concepts I can think about. It's basically when you say equity, you can just imagine, just replace it with communism because you can do the exact same thing because equality is a great thing, right? Equal opportunity for everyone. That sounds, that sounds very pleasant. Great. All on board for that. But when you're saying that now every outcome has to have the same or every situation has to have the same outcome for every person, no matter what. I mean, you lose all meritocracy there, and that's kind of what we see the Biden administration doing. It's not a meritocracy-based system. It's just like, I mean, he literally called for a black woman to be the vice president, and he got literally the worst politician I've ever seen in in my lifetime. (laughs) He got Kamala Harris, and he wanted her just because she was black. That was it. That was the only criteria that that he had for him. And it's that, that weird policy that's just like, no matter what we no matter what the United States can do, these are systems that we constantly have to be fighting for. It doesn't matter if all if there is literally not a single systemic law in the United States that is that differs from men and women, from white people and black people, from Asian people to albinos. It doesn't like there's no there's no systemic law differing anything. But we're just so obsessed with this this idea that uh, the United States is this racist country and that, um, that our, our whole way of life was built on the back of slavery, even though basically completely firebombed the entirety of the country and the entirety of the South, which was the part that had slaves, um, after the events of the civil war. And then into the sixties, yes, it was a terrible time, but we were able to fix the systemic problems from then. It's now been, it's been 60 years. All right. Have we not moved on a little bit from, from, from 60 years ago? Right. I mean, so I agree, you know, Plessy versus Ferguson before there was an issue systemic. Now there oh, is. Yes. Yeah. Now there isn't though. Like you mm-hmm. see what's going on. It seems like they want to vent to get the events during issues to keep a platform. People start voting, keep voting for them. You know, they trans people in their political party. 
but you know, I think it's gonna they're gonna suffer afterwards from it. Hopefully, they will from keep pursuing these policies. But you know, I kind of want to talk about another thing that I thought was really important to talk about, mm-hmm. and it's had to do like a story that's not really talked about, like like the equity thing. It's not really talked about much about in the news. But Epic Epic Times reported on this, and essentially, what it is is that Biden uh, negotiated with the World Health Organization to. Mm-hmm. Remove, uh, to remove, uh, when, during the time of, uh, policies, sorry, how much I trying to say? In pandemic, during times of pandemic, all the policies will go to the World Health Organization. The same organization that wanted to impose COVID mandates, that wanted, I mean, COVID vaccine mandates, mask mandates, and surveillance on people. The same one. And also, they're funded by a foundation that we know a little bit about the Bill Gates and Melissa Gates Foundation. So what is their angle? Why is Biden trying to get rid of our rights? So it made me to think about, okay, is it coincidental that it's in Geneva, Switzerland, the same place that the UN is, the same place that the World Economic Forum is, the Environmental Social Governance Board, same place that all these elites and politicians come together and talk about our future, you know, right? And- I mean, it's this, it's these same people that are pushing the same. It's the same. I mean, I mean, these are the same people that also push universal equity stuff too. Right. So it's these are all the same nut job, um, elitist people that think that they have some sort of authority over the world, and they've they've come together in a group and they've said they've demanded that these are the things that we're going to start doing, and they have enough money and influence to kind of push that around and and enact real changes. And people like um, people in political power. Like think that these are these are like whims that they need to abide by, but that's not true. Or they're beholden to them for capital reasons and for monetary reasons. Yeah, that's that's what I'm wondering. Like, okay, you might not believe you might not believe. Okay, if maybe the deep state have influence, and maybe they want to influence pandemics. Because essentially, what is happening is that all their authority, all their liberties, are being taken away in the terms of what a, a future pandemic. So essentially, you can make that up. You can make a climate change pandemic, right? That mm, we have the authority exactly. to kill these people. And, you know, it's, I mean, this is kind of scary to talk about, but like stuff like we're talking about what happened uh, in the Netherlands. They're pushing, you know, an EU agenda that, you know, they're trying to get rid of the Dutch farmers' lands in the name of climate change, right? They'll say, mm-hmm. if you don't abide by these clean climate change policies, the reduced carbon emissions, that we're going to take your land away, your property away. And it's the same thing with the EU the EU was doing in Italy and if in Sicily in particular, that they're going to get rid of people's houses and homes in five years if they don't implement solar panels. So it seems like this is decisiveness that there's this deep state involved that they want to influence in us somehow. And that's, that's what really scares me. And if you don't really believe in the great cis, uh, reset, you own nothing and you will be happy. Believe this though. <laughs> believe this, that all your constitutional liberties will be taken away. If this Takes, still takes place. I mean, we see Republican Congress trying to backtrack from this and trying to remove it. But this is a really scary thing, in my opinion. And we need to talk right. more about and whether this is a good thing. I mean, we see, like, we're talking about with COVID vaccines, right? That we see there's a harmful effect with it and that it actually caused uh, people to sue the companies with Moderna and Pfizer. And we talked about the lobbyist interests. So there's obviously this kind of intertangling, right, between business between and government so i mean we think about that cooper yeah it's it's they've they've had a little take covid gave them the little bit of taste of power 
like ultimate control of power when there was a big kind of world ending disaster, even though it wasn't, but they made that made COVID out to seem like that. Um, and, and now that it's over, uh, they have to find the next thing. And that thing is not climate change. And that's the thing that they they're using as the biggest, big threat to the entire that's that plagues the entire world, even though that's something that it's not, it's not a, it's a very material thing, like or it's a very ethereal thing, right? You can't can't really feel climate change like in the in the short term, and so people can just say like, "Oh, uh, the the Earth is heating up at an alarming rate," and then, but in reality, their estimates estimates over the next like fifty years has changed from like two degrees Celsius to one point five degrees Celsius, so it's actually gotten less. Um, but they're um, they're so addicted to this, this authoritative power, right? And, and the amount of wealth that they were able to accumulate during the time of the pandemic, like I don't, we didn't get to talk about this when it, when it was breaking, but several weeks ago when um, Project Veritas had that, uh, broke that story with that um, Pfizer employee, and he admitted to basically performing gain of function research on COVID variants so that they can preemptively make vaccines for that to sell to the public whenever the new variation comes out. And so it's just whatever way they can, can, can squeeze as much money out of the system that they'll, they're willing to fabricate new variations of COVID um, because half the country is you say COVID and it immediately brings fear to their eyes. Um, and they start throwing their masks on again, that if any subsequent uh, version of it came out that they would run back to the vaccines and they would run back to um, the federal government mandating these these um, these health procedures and stuff like that. And it's it's a a total and utter um, collapse of individual liberties, like you said. And that if if people aren't taken care of, that it'll they'll just disappear out of thin air. I mean, in the example of I think the the example that Joe Biden's doing with um, his executive order is kind of of the similar vein, but at least Kevin McCarthy and the House Republicans um, can, you know, propose a, a bill to kind of strike this down. And even that is in violation of the 14th Amendment. But things like this that are more culturally impacted because they're impacting businesses. And I think that has a way bigger effect on um, America in and of itself, because we're in act, we're interacting with way more businesses than we are with the federal government. That's that's what I see. The problem is with implementing these policies that pretty much all these big monopolies, and we're not really talking about you know helping small companies. In this situation mm-hmm. is actually quite hurting them. You know, one thing I want to talk about is like, and something you really pointed out, which was really interesting, was this idea of like people going back to the mask. It kind of Bring, like what the government essentially wants, right? To bring back this mob mentality that we all have to wear masks. Mm-hmm. Same thing we're talking about with the equity, and I feel like that's the reason why that's getting pushed or whatever uh, systemic racism. It kind of brings this mob mentality, and we depend on you know the state to give us you know the authority. And also, I want to talk about like which I thought was really interesting. What you talked about was this this National Security Council Act, which actually kind of allowed in 1947, which kind of allowed. Uh, for this equi- equity measures and increasement you know, of bureaucracy in the United States, which essentially developed the Na- National Security Council and the CIA, these federal uh, 
oh, and the Department of Defense, forgot about that, these federal uh, agencies that are not really answerable to anyone in government, which is extremely scary and kind of brings about this quote mentality where they don't really have to answer to the people, to the electorate at all. Really, what they only have to answer to is this ideologue, this equity ideologue. And if they keep pursuing it within their uh, organizations, that they will self-become more enhanced in their career. But not only that, that a lot of them actually believe in these theories and it actually helps them also get, get, gather more power. And there's this kind of power thing that they have. And we were talking about, I hope that the uh, Kevin McCarthy and House Republican go back at, out at, uh, go back against it. But it's hard to see it happening because it seems like, unless there's a Republican that takes a presidency, because it seems like these are all exec- executive orders, because that's what these uh, things were in the National Security Council that allowed uh, only the executive to own these bro- these bureaucratic measures. So I hope that gets changed. I really do. I hope Republican gets presidency because it sure seems like this might have been the worst week for any president to damaging our lives as Americans. I really do. This has been a horrible week in that. But, you know, maybe last thing to talk about, you know, James O'Keefe and Project Veritas, you know, he got fired, which mm-hmm. is horrible. I mean, I don't know what your thoughts on that, even going into bit um, corruption and big on, right? I mean, right. Uh, like, what do you think about that, Cooper? I mean, there's kind of an interesting infighting going on with, you know, conservative media. Because, um, like, the big con thing that happened several months ago, and then James O'Keefe, and then there's been, there's always, like, weird drama stuff going on with kind of less smaller conservative people. Um, but I, I want to touch on a little bit about um, the that... That the thing you talked about with um, like the deep state and and that the swamp kind of thing like that, and I think that's why it's so dangerous to be beholden to non-elected leaders because one, those people don't have our vested interests. You know, even those in the United States federal government, those in the World Economic Forum, exact same thing too. Um, I I do not like the idea of the United States going and having to kowtow our moralities and our our systems of a freedom and liberty to other countries that don't that don't have those same ideas that we do. Like the fact that freedom of speech is something that is a constitutional right for the United States is not present in, present in any other country to the extent of the United States is not even close. And the fact that sometimes we have to negotiate with different countries in regards to this, I think the United States should just get out of that immediately because it only brings down our our values and and has to find. Um, a middle ground with people that don't um, don't abide by our our systems of of freedom and liberties. The James O'Keefe thing, though, I'm kind of I'm not too sad about it because I mean he's a he's a he. There's so much fascinating things that he as stories that he's broken, but he's been Project Veritas. He's been the face of that organization. Um, and he's going to do just fine. He's going to go start a new organization. If I've, if I've heard correctly, a lot of the big money in the, that um, was funding Project Veritas from the board, they're all leaving with him. Um, and they're going to get all their, their private donations and funding. Those are all going to tank too. Um, so they're all going to follow James O'Keefe. He's been the face of that organization. I mean, can you name any other person from Project Veritas? I, mean, I can't. So... Uh, so he'll, he'll start a new system. Project Veritas is going to die. They're going to put, they're going to try and salvage whatever they had. They're going to collapse. They're going to go bankrupt. 
Um, and then James O'Keefe will do fine. And he'll, he'll continue to, he might have a little bit of a little renegade moments where he, he kind of goes even more crazy and breaks even more breaking stories. If if you can even do that, I don't know that, that, um, that, uh, that uh, Pfizer um, kind of date, uh, what would you call it? That setup, I guess you'd say. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> whatever, whatever they do, that the undercover stuff. It's that's always so awesome, so amazing to witness. I mean, he seems like he's the only real journalist now. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that that's my impression. I'm like the reason why. I'm like, do you think the board members got rid of him because they're jealous of him? Because like, I don't, I don't see any other reason. Because if he's making all that money for mm-hmm. Project why would he? Why would they get rid of him? That doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, the excuse is that he was like a jerk. That's basically it. But have you ever worked around like super like productive people? They don't, it's it's not that they're mean. It's that they don't, they don't, they're not caring about your feelings. They got work to do. All right. They got stories to break. They got big news to cover and they don't have the time to kowtow to every, any, every small individual's, um, like every single need that they have. So it kind of comes off as mean, but I mean that I've never worked with James O'Keefe, but that's what I imagine hearing from him and seeing how he's operated. Um, that's how I imagine that that's how he functions. Right. And that could become across as mean, but that seems like an excuse that they're kind of, they're kind of making just to, just to get him out. Um, but I have no, I have no, no belief that he won't be successful. You know, it's interesting you were talking about America being the only one to counteract, you know, these big uh, bureaucratic changes. It's kind of interesting. The founding fathers had a similar dilemma, which I only found about recently. Uh, with Thomas Jefferson, he pushed back against the federal uh, federal banks with, you know, uh, it was Alexander Hamilton, right? And he, he pushed back against Thank that. Thank you. And, yeah, yeah, right? The same thing. The same thing with – and that's what I'm saying. A lot of stuff with what's going on now, the founding fathers wouldn't – Agree on at all, mm-hmm. especially w- within our government. But you know, he he was against this increasing uh, government interaction with big banks, right? I mean, Thomas Jefferson, and same as Andrew Jackson, even though he did a lot of horrible things, but he's the same in that similar similar instance. Like it goes away against the American way of doing things, right? To leave this laissez-faire government out of it, and or even big business interests out of it. Who want to influence and destroy, you know, our country, right? So, I mean, that's what I see it as what we have to face and we have to have someone, you know, step up and go against it. And hopefully it's those House Republicans like Kevin McCarthy. I mean, I don't know if he's incorporated in that big business. Hopefully he's not. But like at, at other ones in House Republicans as well, mm-hmm. to go against these kind of increasing measures, it's not even government measures. It's these international organizations that want to control their own lives. I mean, which is scary. I don't don't know if they want to have this one world system where we're all a huge totalitarian state. I'm scared of that, but I don't know about you. I, but, I mean, I, this is a great place to close. I, I totally agree that uh, we have become way too accustomed with dealing with uh, not like bureaucrats, non-elected officials, thinking that the United States can operate in in this world government, which we were we should never be involved in. Um, and I think it, it does, it will take a strong leader. Joe Biden's not that guy. He's, he's not that guy though. Not that guy, but it'll take a strong leader to, um, to kind of get us out of this mess. Um, but more importantly, it'll, it'll take the courage and, um, the efforts of the American people more than anything. 
Um, that's where we'll get a lot of change. But I, mean, I think that's how we differ in other mm-hmm. countries. Americans are not the government that make up. It's us, the individuals who make up a government. And, you know, we just have right. to come back that by, you know, making smart decisions we vote for, but also by, you know, protesting against these measures and having different voices of thoughts and against big tech censorship, against big bang, against, you know, the deep state, right? But Cooper, always great talking to you, my man. Yes, always, always enjoy talking politics with you. Um, For all those who are watching us at The Politically Tolerant, um, if you enjoy us, please like and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Um, we, we have so much fun doing this and we'll, we'll continue to bring you the latest on, uh, the news of politics and, uh, Zach, it's always a pleasure talking to you, buddy. Always a pleasure, brother. See you next week, my man. See you, brother.